you're ready for my chat with the wonderful, multi-talented, and delightful Virgin X. In this chat, we cover all kinds of things, as you can read in the episode description. So before we get into the show, I want to tell you about something else, not in the show, because you're about to hear the show. What I want to tell you about is Virgin X's show that's not mentioned in this show, but will be coming up as a show at the Glory London, and that's on December 9th, and it's the Naughty or Nice show, or rather, Virgin X starring in Naughty or Nice. What better way to celebrate the holidays? While you're listening to this, make sure to write a review and give a five-star review because that's the most sophisticated, and of course, you, by listening to this, are a sophisticated audience. And share your love in your Instagram stories and other social medias about the episodes you most enjoy. Let the world know. And the other bit of information that's good for everyone's peace of mind is this. Head on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends and sign up now to get advanced, uncut, and ad-free editions of these very episodes, as well as exclusive bonus episodes. And you get to get in on the movie clubs before they tape. Head on over now and be a pal, a friend, a best friend, a friend with benefits. There's a few other options, but I'll let you discover those yourself. And now with that taken care of, after you head on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends, enjoy my chat with the wonderful Virgin X. I don't have one of my fun, long intros for you, but that's because I care. Uh, Extra special (laughs) about our chat today. Uh, Well, it's just been one of those weeks. That's, we're all allowed those weeks. We're allowed those weeks. And And it's pride. It's pride. So therefore... We get the get out of jail free card. Special dispensation. Left, like right, the- and center. <laughs> the queers can do no wrong. That's exactly right. It's and true. I, you know, it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy to have you on the show to announce that to everyone. Thank to, you. Just to remind yes. everyone, because people might know it, but they forget these things exactly. sometimes. Yeah. So happy pride and happy welcome pride. to the show, Virgin Extravaganza. Thank you. It's actually Virgin X now. I see. Okay. Yes. I almost said Virgin X and I thought, no, 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 it's Virgin Extravaganza. So yeah, let me no. re-welcome you. Thank you. Virgin X. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, names are important. Names are important. Yes. What prompted the change? Um, To be honest with you, like it, I, I kind of didn't want anybody to think that I was um, uh, appropriating from the House of Extravaganza, which is a drag house in, um, or not a drag house, but kind of like a, like a, a ballroom house mm. in um in new york um which is legendary and we're like you know go back as far as like paris is burning and even like before that and stuff like sure. that and um yeah i mean i i got the name extravaganza because a drag queen uh introduced me i was going as the virgin mary for the longest time yeah and i was just going by the virgin mary and then this drag queen was just like it's the virgin extravaganza and i was like i mean what but like cool i'm just gonna go with that and so it was kind of like very very whimsical and then i was like no i kind of really want to like carve out my own identity and have like you know my own name and i not not like i don't want to be associated with anything that isn't like absolutely me out of respect to to that house as well sure and also you were dubbed that against your collusion so i mean sort of yeah it's yeah, true. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't consensual but <laughs> <laughs> and it's but, pride we're all about consent exactly so she's she's owning herself now virgin x indeed now <laughs> when was uh, this change put into action uh, roughly um I, I you know i think it was actually kind of over lockdown yeah yeah because i uh you know 
as we all had a lot of time to think. <laughs> yes, there and, was a lot of time to contemplate. Yes, and I, I sort of had had uh, turned my eye to other things like like making music and really taking that seriously because I had the time to to really invest in that and explore that. And um, and I think it just it, it just kind of came as a part of that. I don't remember like the exact moment, like oh, I'm going to be, you know. You don't have the date and the hour. I don't have the this date and the hour. This is disappointing. Okay. Well, I didn't have an intro for you, so that's okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so trade off, and now we're we're square, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So uh, during the the pandemonium, you were yeah. starting to work on music. What level had you engaged with music prior to that? I mean, I've always been like musically oriented, and Virgin has always been musically oriented. You know, um, I made a name for myself through the 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 parodies that I've written so I I take you know original pre-existing pop songs and rewrite the songs to tell the narrative of virgin or her opinion of something like something to do with the bible or something to do with like my own opinions kind of like you know uh through her filter right um and so you know I've I've always been very confident as like a lyricist and and my ability to kind of tell a story through a song. Um, but, you know, writing writing your own song and, you know, telling a story through something that has been created from scratch is very, very different. Mm. And it kind of took having no other distractions to be able to find that voice. Sure. Um, and that just that amount of time to bash your head against the wall, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a lot of head bashing, <laughs> much head bashing. Yeah. Now about the music side of it, had you played an instrument before, or were you f figuring that out as you went in Logic or another program? No, actually. I mean, I've always like I've always written songs in my head. Like I've always had like melodies, and I've kind of like over the years kind of created a like a database of mm -hmm. like these melodies that I will put into a voice note. And then record other things that I know are going to be layered onto that. And like, but I, I'm. I'm and so wait, let me guess. In subsequent voice notes, yeah, yeah, I, I did the same thing. Yeah, the, yeah. Theme, the theme song of the show was written like that. I was in my sick bed uh, before the pandemic, or at the beginning of it. it there is a lot of very hazy <laughs> yeah. notes that then later I strung them together. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm really really crap with like technology all that kind of stuff. Like I took piano lessons for years. Mm -hmm. I trained as a singer for years, but like reading music just never gelled with me. It's like my brain just rejected it. It's like with math, it's just kind of went, no, we are not letting this in. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not a safe space for you. It, it's um, difficult for me as well. I can look at a piece of sheet music and if I look at it for a while and really work out what it is, I can figure out what the thing is, but then I can't play along to it while looking at it. It's not yeah. Possible. It didn't become a language to me. Sure. It it remained a code that I had to crack, you know? And so my relationship with um with instruments was kind of like, you know, I do play the piano, mm. but I don't have a piano, you know. So I was just like relying on my own voice and and my own lyrics and like creating this stuff. And then um I started working with producers mm -hmm. and would say, like, this is what I want, you know, sending them different demos of different things that you know again um all segmented and uh, yeah. a nightmare to work with so <laughs> well that's a, you know that's what very my... patient people <laughs> <laughs> well good pop music is often made by people who are nightmares to work with so there you go well, then i fit right in <laughs> also that segmented uh, vocal demo approach is what michael jackson used for say beat it 
uh, or any of that era oh, stuff really? when he wanted to indicate that. to Quincy Jones what he wanted on the thing. Yeah, so it's any method is valid, you yeah. know, by getting your thoughts across. Uh-huh. Definitely. Yeah, it's um Yeah, it's been great. So do you have any producers that you like working with more than others? <laughs> more than others. <laughs> oh, getting shady already. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> well, um, there's there's quite a bit of story in this, actually. Uh -huh. um, so the first answer to your question is, yes, I have some fantastic producers who I work with. Um, Splinters uh, was produced by Jack Mudd, who's an insanely talented, uh, insanely talented person. Um and uh, I also work with Glenn Burroughs, um, who's at the workshop N16. Um, mm -hmm. He's amazing. He he created his entire studio by hand. Um, wow. Very, very, very talented. Um, I've also worked with a producer called Michelangelo. Um, uh, and that the stuff that we've been doing has yet to come out. Um, and I've also worked with um, a producer and singer-songwriter called Eloise MP3, and we're going to be coming out with a single together. Oh, great. Um, very, very soon, actually, this month. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Okay, so it could be out by the time this episode is out. I actually think it, yes. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. So go get that now. Uh-huh. Pause it's, the show. It's go a listen. remix of, of her song called Love and War. And how did you two meet? Um, we met through my very good friend, Darkwa, um, who I work with a lot. They, they actually directed Splinters. Mm. Um, and they creative direct a lot of stuff that I do. They're just insanely talented themselves. Um, yeah, so I met them through them. Hmm. And let's go back to the beginning then yeah. about uh, when you got into drag because you had a very long career in the performing arts yeah. starting as a child. So we could start there. Okay. If you'd Way like. Way back in the beginning. Yeah. 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 Terrific. Yeah. So around what was it, six or eight? That you started uh, acting. I, I I started acting in community theater when I was six years old. Mm. Yeah, um, I I saw a production of Madame Butterfly, mm -hmm. and there's there's a very short scene of Madame Butterfly with a with a kid in it, with like a young boy, uh, her son, I believe. And I don't really remember anything about this, but I remember it was a very traumatic scene, and I think the boy ends up getting like ripped away from her or something like that I, honestly like i don't i don't i don't really recall but um it was a very dramatic scene i was just like wow how did how did that kid get up there because you know i'm <laughs> i'm so young and all the rest of these people are like you know old like they were probably like 18 but um, you know, i was six so like yeah and i was just like how did how did how did he get up there um and my mom said, well, you know, he auditioned and that's what you have to do. You have to like prove that you're talented in order to do that. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and there was a production of um, The Wind and the Willows, oh. actually. Mm -hmm. And um, I auditioned for the uh, prize role of Hedgehog number three. Um, and I ended up getting a duck number two. And I think, uh, wait, a duck. Oh, and a weasel. I play a weasel. Oh, okay. So I, dual role. Yeah. First triple. Gig. Triple. triple threat. Oh, triple. Weasel, okay. duck, and hedgehog. I see. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I thought you had gone for hedgehog and were diverted to duck. I didn't realize that you nailed that. No, I, I down just ticked all, all the boxes. You there know. you go. She's versatile. Will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got this covered. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And I did that. And, uh, and I, I just really liked it. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, I think as a, uh, quite visibly queer child i kind of enjoyed the fact that i could exploit uh my ability to kind of 
transform mm-hmm. into other things. I think that's something that like just a lot of queer people like identify with. I think that's why so many of us are like artists and stuff because I think we we enjoy escapism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um and I found that in performance. I was just like, "Oh wow. This completely like takes me." I mean, this sounds a bit depressing and and it is a bit, I suppose, but like, you know, happy pride, we're open about our trauma. <laughs> um, exactly. But I was like, "Oh, this is this is kind of nice. Like this is different from the reality that I that I have to face all the time and I get praised for it. Like I get praised for my ability to, to do this. And that's what makes me different. Yeah. And when I go to school, I get picked on because of it. But like, if I do that on a stage and I remember these words that I speak at this, you know, right time or whatever like that. And <laughs> right. You know, do this dance move or something like that. You know, suddenly people are applauding me. I was like, that's amazing. Okay. It's pretty good. Well, Paul Williams, you know, the songwriter did the Muppet movie songs and, uh, Bugsy Malone, uh, he and also uh, Evergreen with Barbara Streisand. He said um, performing you know, or songwriting, both of them. It's what changed from him being uh, different to being special, because he's very diminutive, you know, and sort of uh, as he described it, looked like a hungover kid when he was like twenty-one. So right. it's a very uh, powerful draw. Yeah, it's a natural progression, I think, mm-hmm. or it, it definitely was for me. Yeah, and so um, what was family life like? around the time that it sounds sounds very encouraging your mother sounds to have been uh my parents my parents were always very 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 um supportive of me yeah um and uh you know always really stood up for my right to be um you know who and what i was mm-hmm. um there there were a lot of like uh you know, there, there was a bit of like, you know, turbulence around that time with my family. With There was just, there was a lot of arguing. Um, and I think that, you know, I've, I've always loved pretending. I've just always loved fantasy so much. And it's something that I've always naturally done. Like, you know, I would go home from school and I would dress up in a costume and I would like go run around the field. Um and, you know, theater and, and performance was just kind of an extension of that. It was just like, oh, this can actually be vocational. Yeah. That's great. So I think it, um, so your question was, what's family like right now? It was, it was uh, you know, generally it was always good. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. I'm an only child who was very visibly queer and grew up pretty much in the woods. What part of the States was it? Okay. So I was born in Southern California. We lived there until I was five years old. And we lived in suburbia there. And then my parents left. Um, with you. With me, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Oh my God, no. <laughs> no, not, I wasn't left at a bus stop. But, um, but um, no. Uh, no, but the, yeah, so then they, they we, we moved to um, Southern Oregon. I think my parents didn't really like all the development that was happening in Southern California mm-hmm. in the late 80s. And um because it was really changing into like, you know, the OC. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, and it was, yeah. But but also, also, my my parents had a bit of a hard time with the neighbors because, you know, I would, I would, qu- you know, quite um, unashamedly, unashamedly, is that the word? I like unashamedly. Unashamedly. Run around in, in you know, my mother's like negligee. Sure. You know, um, or, you know, because I liked the move, the, the, the way the fabric moves. I've just always been very attracted to um, women's clothes, well, to, you know, quote unquote women's sure. clothes and, 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 um, and fabric and, and things that moved. And so the neighbors used to complain. And they used to it's say, a bit like, odd. 
you know, you shouldn't let your your kid run around. It's not look in hindsight, I think to myself, I'm like, okay, you were literally like a three year old, like like running around in like diapers and like <laughs> a negligee. Like that's like, I mean, it there's a lot of poetry in that, but like where there's poetry, there's also like offense. <laughs> so like I could see from like some people's perspective, mm-hmm. like, oh wow, that's a little bit of an intense thing to see. Yeah. Um Needless to say, though, my parents were very unapologetic and were just like, fuck you. I Can I swear? Oh, yeah, please. Okay, great. I encourage lovely. it. And I was worried that you hadn't yet. Oh, so. fab. Okay, lovely. Yeah. Well, fuck it, fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very relieved. I'm sure you can see it wash over my face. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that also contributed to it. I think that. And um, so they moved to the woods mm. um, on five acres of land in um, in southern Oregon. And um so I didn't really have a lot of friends, you know, I didn't really have a lot of like community mm-hmm. or neighbors or anything. So I, I, and I was an only child, you know, so I, I, it, you know, I kind of was me, myself and I and them and she, and they were all me. Yeah. <laughs> <We> <laughs> Another song time. being composed on the spot. <laughs> right. Totally. Ooh, and you have this right. recorded so you don't have to make a voice note. Go. So good. I love that. <laughs> uh, so that seems like a very uh, nice situation. What was school like? Is that when you were weird. having a yeah, yeah. Well, you answer that question. Now. Yeah, it was, school was very weird. Um, it, even from like, a, you know, preschool. I was actually talking to my mom about this recently. Mm-hmm. Um, she was asking about certain things about my childhood, and because I've been doing that, I did this interview, and of course, parents go like wait a minute, I'm going <laughs> to, we need to unpack this right here, honey. I didn't know about this. Uh, well, your mom will she, enjoy this episode. She doesn't sound, she doesn't sound like that. Um, no. Uh, sorry. What was the question? That's okay. Just general school time. Okay. What it so was like. school is really hard. School is really hard. I think school is really hard for any, mm. um, for, for all queer people, I think yeah. to, to, to greater or lesser degrees. I mean, for me, I, I mean, I remember from like six years old getting questioned by teachers, like, why do you enjoy playing with dolls? Like, you know, I left, I, ironically, I went to a very, very liberal uh, preschool and kindergarten and they they had a costume bin mm-hmm. where you could dress up as anything. I, I automatically went to the dresses. Like, duh. Like, <laughs> why the hell do I want like a Ninja Turtles shell? Like, right. it's a piece of plastic. Like, there's literally a gown right there. Like there's a tutu for Christ's sake. Like, you know, um, you don't want us to go for it. Don't have it in the bin. Exactly. You know? So that's why that's what I gravitated towards. But I remember like, you know, the teachers just being like, you know, you know, Andrew, Andrew, you know, come, come here. Why, why do you, why, why, why do you, uh, you know, why do you go towards that? It's like, which was, uh, you know, so strange. Cause this was a very liberal, right? but it was still like questioned. It's just, it kind of, I don't know. I think it, determines how much has changed but um and i went to catholic school as well mm-hmm. which was another complication a whole thing yeah yeah, yeah. and um and it, it, school just kind of like you know it went from like weird and awkward to traumatic and i think that kind of happens around puberty yeah um that definitely happened for me around puberty like around like middle school junior high mm-hmm. now was this catholic school the middle school um no. So so Catholic school was actually like elementary school or like primary school over mm-hmm. here. Um so that was till like six or so that was until I was like twelve. So that's where we got all those like, you know, that all that, that nice foundation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Catholic guilt and shame. Perfect. Yeah. They can <laughs> launch you into self hatred and then launch you out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta it's better to get that in young. Exactly. Yeah. Well, mm, 
<laughs> oh well uh it, well yeah you don't quite uh develop the same kind of um antipathy towards yourself when you're older no yeah no so then middle school is free of the catholic burden but you still are carrying it along with you a bit it well i mean yeah sure now is the family very religious uh, uh not very religious no but um like my mother my mother's a very complicated relationship with God. She's kind of a um like a casual Catholic. Mm. You know, like she hangs on to it. The rosaries are everywhere, the crucifixes are everywhere. Does she go to church? No. Cause she's busy. But you know, <laughs> she loves Jesus. Sure. You know, totally loves Jesus. Yeah. All about love his work. Worships you know? in her own way. Yeah. 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 Um and I think my parents like knew that I was probably their words gay my words queer um from the get-go and i think in all honesty probably didn't want me to to be queer mm -hmm. like would be just because they saw it as a very difficult life sure um you know my mother had a a number of very very close friends of her die of aids in the 80s mm -hmm. and so she had that trauma you know and it's like um you know, I think she just kind of, you know, saw her kid growing up and, and became a bit fearful. Um, so, uh, oh gosh, I forgot why I went on this tangent. That's here. okay. That's the nature of the show. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. God. Oh God. I'm That's so all right. bad at this. No, you're not. You're doing wonderfully. Okay. Wonderful. You're doing very nicely. Yeah. So it's fine. We're talking about origin stuff and also family attitudes towards yeah. queerness and just your uh, foundational years so in general. Sorry. That's what it was. So I think my mother really wanted me to like have God in my life. Yeah. You know, I think she wanted me to have something that I could fall back on mm -hmm. and could kind of, you know, because maybe she saw me as going into a life that was quite uncertain and something that she had her doubts about. You know what I mean? Sure. I think this was like the sub subliminal yeah. kind of connotations of 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 that and like why I was put into Catholic school and stuff like that. Now did she tend to lean on her faith for emotional support as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. Sort of like inner succor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that yeah. would make sense then. It yeah. does. Want to it pass does. it down to the next generation. Yes. Because it works for you. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just kind of you know, it. It's much different going through that when you like you know, go to go to church on a Sunday and you know say peace be with you to like some guy who then like you know pushes you into a locker on Monday for being queer. Yeah, you know, well, it's very difficult also to just take on the same um, pillars of inner emotional strength as someone else anyway. So, yeah. And then add to it those very clear difficulties, and you're not going to quite have the same relation to it. No, no. Um, because I think there's like, there's religion and there's culture. Mm. Yeah. You know, and... And some people are really into religious activities because of the culture. They're into the meeting aspects of it because it works for them in that way. But then when it, that does not present to be a workable possibility, it's very complicated. Yes, it can be complicated. And also when you don't like adhere to the beliefs of that culture, you right. know, if you're in any way other, but you're showing up in, you know, the house of God, it's like you're always going to be looked at in a certain way. You're still, you know, it's like, yeah, peace be with you. But like, 
but you're still you're lower on yeah, like you're so, lower on the the ladder than us absolutely yeah yeah house of god is one of the hardest uh ball houses to crack uh-huh. into yeah oh yeah very hard categories <laughs> Very hard, very, <laughs> very strict, yeah, very rigid. Yeah, <laughs> the judging panel is unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they do have great venues, though. Oh yeah, and the drama is high. Mm, absolutely, the fashions. I mean, honestly, Catholicism is like aesthetically, it's just, it's just a glory. Mm-hmm. A lot of shiny stuff. So much shiny stuff. So much filigree and <laughs> drama. Do you like, ever work a smoking purse into the act? Do you, Do you know that's such a good? I've I have wanted to do this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. I have wanted to do this, but like I actually, but I need to give you credit because I didn't actually think of it as a smoking purse. I just love that <laughs> incense holder. Just think like, it, but I wanted to put like dry ice in it, so it's like, yeah. like huge, like major <laughs> smoke. I think that would be so amazing. But like having it as a purse, like that's genius. Oh, fantastic! If I do that, I will definitely credit you. I love that. Thank yes, you very much. Because that it would be heart. due. That's that's really quite genius. I love that. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, how can I do this? <laughs> <laughs> because it is quite striking how you've in- integrated and interpolated and aspects of religion into your overall character. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, it came. It it came from. It it came from. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where it came from, <laughs> but it came in my wanting to kind of like invert religion, you know, and not not have it own me, but me own it. Because I feel like a lot of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I keep saying trauma, trauma, trauma. Like, what queer person doesn't say trauma, trauma, trauma? In That's okay, 2022? But it's like, I feel like so much of my drama did come from my background in the church. Yeah. And not just specifically like me in the house of God, not me in, you know, the physical church or or in, in Catholic school, but again, by the culture of religion, mm-hmm. by institutionalized ways of thinking yeah. that told me I was a second-class citizen and that I wasn't worthy you know, of success. And so I just thought like, I don't know, it just kind of, it was just kind of a feeling. I was just like, I just really want to like invert the Virgin Mary and, and have her be me in drag, like a, you know, perceived male in drag with a mustache and just be absolutely filthy. (laughs) Right. You know, and just be so subversive and like, unapologetic and and queer yeah really queer subversion and irreverence are the two strongest tools in anyone's kit i think i think so too i think a lot of the art world is missing it now there is a bit of an absence currently in the culture there is it's it very much so but that i think a lot of that comes from the fact that like we are very afraid of offense now mm-hmm. which is which is something that like really wasn't the case when i came onto the scene like i kind of made a name for myself for being controversial right and being outspoken and being very very subversive um whereas now it's kind of like people I've, I've noticed people kind of like you know when they ask about like booking me for instance they kind of like go like oh but can we do something a little bit less and i'm just kind of like <laughs> okay, like, why are you even talking to me? But like, sure, yeah, fine, I need to pay the bills. Like, I'll, you know, but um, it's interesting. It, it, it's interesting. Um, Do you find that people are more gripped by con- worries about content than whether or not it's entertaining or not? I think, I think people are worried more about, like, content rather than them being entertained. Because I think deep down people, like, kind of know it's funny, but they're afraid of like booking it 
outright because they then have to attribute their name to it. And if someone takes offense, then that's then their problem, you know, which I do get. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I do what I do, not because I'm, I'm trying to be a palatable I'm not palatable. Right. <laughs> I'm not trying to be palatable. Yeah. No one wants smooth and unmemorable. No. You know, just because it, there won't be any discussion afterwards that, you know, that someone Not in their Virgin upset. Mary drag queens, you know. <laughs> not, not, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting time right now, too, because there's all this made of uh, the phrases cancel culture and wokeism, and, mm. but they've been um, weaponized by yeah. the evil forces in the world to somehow they try to complain about cancel culture as if it applies to them, the people who are essentially the ruling class, people who don't have any worries about anything and never have complaining that they're being silenced or censured by this this so-called cancel culture, which it's completely illusory. But then there's people who seize on that because they feel like there, no one listens to them, but because they're not interesting, no one does want to listen to them. It's not because they're saying anything that uh, people are taking offense to. And then I think that that is bled over into the other side of things where people are sort of self-censoring. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like it's all down to ownership, you know, um, if 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 you have ownership over something, I think it's 100% fair game for you to fuck with it mm-hmm. as much as you want. I would not be doing what I'm doing if I was not raised in the church. Right. I would not be doing what I'm doing unless this was part of my DNA and it was something that came authentically from me. I could not do that with another religion. And indeed, if I did, I would be canceled for it. (laughs) And indeed, it would be the correct thing to do because I don't have the authority to talk about Islam. I don't have the authority to talk about Buddhism, Hinduism, or any other of the other religions because it is not from my culture. And it's it's also not not your interest. You're not looking to. I'm I'm not looking to. I mean, I do do know quite a a bit about like other religions, but that's just for, you know, for my own. No, I mean, like your interest of sort of being irreverent about that. That's uh, you sort of seem to be driven by a very specific thing. I don't have an argument with Islam. I have an argument with Christianity because guess what? I was raised with that bitch. Like, (laughs) you know, and she's part of me. And so. And and also, she's hurt me, quite honestly, you know, like, and that that's mine, like, you know, that's mine. Yeah. And, and if I want to express that, and I know that Virgin is kind of, you know, predominantly she is seen as a comedian and someone that makes people laugh. But like, you know, if, if, if Christianity and if the institution of the church had not made me cry so much in my life, there's no way I'd be able to make people laugh. Right. With it. And to the second class citizen thing, you also had that feeling when you went to drama school. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Which must have been really difficult to handle because you're now free of the confines of the religious Mm. um, setup. Went from one institution to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't know at the time. Look, you know, I was, I went to university at at 20 years old and I wanted to be an actor. And And what prompted the move to the UK? Uh, I got into the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And for anybody who's auditioned for drama schools, like, you know, it's like with, with the top tier ones, it's like 25 spots. Sure. You know, they accept 25, they accept like, you know, two, 4,000 applications. I don't know. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of have to go where you get in. Yeah. And, and you kind of have to look at it in that kind of a very sort of like practical, well, well, like pragmatic, I guess, sort of way. Sure. Well, that's what you want to do. And this is the 
best place to go or one of the best yeah. places to go. At least it seemed that way at the time. And you want the, I wanted the name, you yeah. know? Also, deep down, I knew it's like, I am a very, like, you know, again, visibly queer person. Like, this isn't going to be easy for me. Like, I need to go to Juilliard, Guildhall, RADA. It has to be one of those three. Yeah. Because if it's not, I'm never going to get in the door. I just need to get in the door. You know, again, this isn't something that like I knew I was thinking about, but deep down, I think I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got into it, I, I, I went to I, I, my, my Juilliard audition was absolutely terrible, <laughs> completely <laughs> fucked up because that was like my, my big hope. Oh, okay. That was like the childhood dream. Yeah. And I got there and they were just like, oh, we see you've done a play two weeks ago. I was like, uh-huh. uh-huh. What play was that? Blank. <laughs> Blank. Brain went off you know because yeah. i was just it, i was just under so much pressure sure. i was under so much stress and i built it up so much in my head that like i i, I just had a malfunction mm-hmm. and so they were just like right okay so not only are you wearing eyeshadow and mascara but you're also like <laughs> totally not here next <laughs> whatever i still did my hamlet to the best of my sure. ability that can um, happen a lot though right like we can build up stuff to be it's so important that we do right we so so important that we do this the right way uh-huh and then do the right way do it the right way yeah do the right way do the right and then it comes time to do it and it's like oh shit (laughs) have you found that to be a struggle at all over the years in terms of performing or in terms of getting into a situation no no because now i own who i am whereas then i was trying to prove myself sure and that's an i think that's an unnatural place for a performer to be and I, i think it's something that happens to all of us yeah but i don't think that's when we produce our best work when we have to prove ourselves like i walk into you know i walk into a venue right now and i'm just like i own you know i don't i'm not like like i don't i own the venue but i own when you came in today you said i own this place (laughs) well i i own what i what i own i look at the records and surprise you do i didn't know you were a a land baron (laughs) oh my god i wish i wish um no but i i own what i'm going to bring to this space today yeah you know whereas before i was like i need to look straight i need to I, I don't want to let them know that I'm gay. I don't want to let them know that I'm queer because I want them to think of me as like this, da, 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 you know, all of that stuff was going through. That's all internalized shame. And, you know, yeah. again, that goes from like my experience within the industry as, as a child actor and as a child actor in LA, you know, and also. It's an encouraging place. Child actor in LA, right? <laughs> child actor in LA. <laughs> Good they Lord. say if you want to have just an overall sunny disposition and good uh, impression of yourself go that route evil <laughs> evil place we don't Not, well, well that that uh notion that you said before though about um getting everything right or or rather proving yourself i think a lot of us particularly if you're queer or other you get into that mindset very mistakenly but it happens so often because we feel like we don't want to be perceived as something whether it's capable or um you know smart or attractive, whatever it is, we got to prove ourselves in this thing that we get into. Always, and um, and and we can be fall prey to it at any time too. You know, you have a little bit of a confidence kick for whatever reason. Let's say the Pavarotti or something like that, and then you can find yourself in a situation whether it's an audition or not. You are almost acting like you are on an audition. Yeah, I mean, the minute you walk out onto the street, it's an audition. Of, yeah, like yeah. survival of the fittest, <laughs> and and um, you know, if if you know. If, if you're trying to pass as like, you know, the heteronormatives, like how well can you pass? And if you're going to own the queerness, it's like, well, then can you get home that night? Right. That's the reality of the situation. It's, right. it's, it's, um, so yeah. So, and that's, that's a lot to, 
it's a lot to like work through and to sure. and to unpick, you know. But yeah, I mean, there was a reason why it's like I think drama school was harder for me than it is for some of my contemporaries because it's like you know I was told every day like you know you're too effeminate, you you walk with too much lightness. That was a critique. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Um, this is from British yeah, people too. You yeah. think would be a little more inclined to? You uh, would think. You yeah. would think. But again, again. It's these institutionalized ways of thinking. You know, Guildhall is a very traditional. Oh, I see. Yeah, very traditional. There are other drama schools that are more uh, contemporary. I think in some ways, but excuse me, but I think um, Guildhall was very traditional in, in its approach. And so, yeah. So I was told all these things, like you know, I basically need to like, you know, Put redesign yeah. the very fundam <laughs> my very fundamental nature. Yeah and change that in order to be accepted in this industry. And yet, you know, there were some of my friends who were like, you know, you know, cisgendered, male, hetero, and they were just praised for being who and what they were. Sure. And it's, it's like, that's, but that's the T, you know, that, and that, that's, that's, that's the experience that a lot of queer people have to go through. Sure. Like we're the ones that have to change to fit into this sort of like hetero paradigm. And um, yeah, and so then it's like, okay, well, if you want to play that, how well do you pass it? If you're going to fully reject it, can you make a living? Can you survive? Can you, can you make it? Yeah, and it's so hard to parse that out as well when you're a student looking uh -huh. at a career in this profession and you're being told by supposed experts, this is what you have to do. Supposed experts and still people that supposedly still work in the industry, you know, so you right. don't want to piss these people off mm -hmm. because you don't want them to talk shit about you because as an right. actor, you have very little power. You are always at the disposal of what other people think of you, what mm -hmm. other people think that you can play and what role people want to bring to you because you don't actually create your own work. You embody other people's. So it's very much so around what people's opinions of you are. And it's very, very toxic. And honestly, I have a lot of respect for actors who like stay with it because I couldn't, I could mm -hmm. not deal. Did you find that it started to encroach in your own sense of self in general? 100%. Mm -hmm. And I got very angry and I got very bitter and I had to kind of like go through that anger and that bitterness to then get exhausted by the anger and bitterness and then let go of it and go, do you know what? I just actually want to do something that I know how to do mm -hmm. and I know how to do this. I know how to dress up because I love doing it and I know how to play characters because, you know, I've, I've always felt like more of a character actor anyway than like you know they were just like oh if you want to play hamlet and deep down i was like i don't want to play hamlet like <laughs> i want to be like a fucked up like boz lerman version of like ophelia like you sure. know, it's some yeah. weird like you know that's way more like you know and and um yeah and i and i i i just kind of had to Break get all of that out of that, yeah. of that to then go like okay what is it do i actually want to do and then what do i actually want to work with it is interesting, the supposed goals, right? Because again, it's you get indoctrinated, it gets ingrained what you're supposed to want to do. You're supposed to want to be Hamlet. You're supposed to want to be the lead and fill in the blank. But that's not necessarily what you do want. But then it's then then you're chasing something that maybe you don't really necessarily want and behaving in all sorts of ways that aren't authentic to yourself because this is what's been indoctrinated into you. And then it leaves it a very a precious little space for your own thoughts, wants, needs, and emotions. 
This is why I think like my personal opinion, and it's just my personal opinion. I don't think people should study art. Mm -hmm. I just don't. <laughs> and I know that that's like a big statement to say. And I guess if you want, look, if you want to be a classical pianist and you want to perform those great works, Mozart, Beethoven, it's like, okay, fine, train and train and, and practice eight hours a day for like eight years and do that whole thing. And then good luck being the top, you know, 10 in the world, because that's what you have to be right. in order to get any kind of recognition to do something like that. But if that's what you want to do, fine, do that. Same with any other art form, being a ballet dancer, da, da, da. But it's like, if you want to express something, yeah. if you feel like you have a story to tell, and you know that other people will identify with that story, and it will resonate with people, and you feel that this could like bring you a certain amount of success or fulfillment in whatever capacity, don't study that which you are trying to do that with like really don't right because it can be such a killjoy right and also to put the fate of something that you have a very defined vision of or even a vague vision of but it's a vision that you have to put the fate of that in the hands of other people who have no idea what it is and the, whose and opinion care. yeah exactly and whose opinion <laughs> if you looked at it if you just sat down very coldly and took it the personal out of it and said do these people do i even care about their opinion no no wait a second that, I, I actually don't. That actually, what you just said, that was such a revelation for me. Years after leaving drama school, yeah. I was just like, why did I actually care what they thought? <laughs> why did I? Isn't it weird? And it, even know. in our personal lives, there's like uh, at least a handful in all of our lives who go, why Why did I give a shit about what? Why? why? Yeah. It's so weird. But such a great, that's such a great place Mm. I love that place. Yeah. I, I wish that place on everyone that has ever felt that because mm. it's so liberating because it does kind of make you feel like, God, I wasted a lot of time. <laughs> but at the same time, you're just like, okay, but I don't have to be shackled to that anymore. I don't have to be shackled mm -hmm. to your opinion of me and your projected mm -hmm. opinion as to what I should and should not do And And actually, you, you can feel uh, guilty or shame about that, but I find that, that the good thing about that is that just reminds you anytime you might slip back into old habits of that, it, it's it's too much of a reinforcement. It's too strong of a feeling to, you know what I mean? To yes. let that happen. Yes, yes, yes and no. Because like, it's so strong for me that it's like, you know, and, and with my thing, it's like, um, it's about like, it's about finding management. Because I've been wanting management for so long. And I do have a, I have a, do have a number of different people that like, um, you know, have worked on my behalf or that mm -hmm. I collaborate with or whatever, you know. But like, you know, that idea of just like having someone that just like does my invoices <laughs> and like finds me really high paid work. Right. You know, it's like, it, because I I feel like I just really, 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 really want that. Mm. That whenever I then start going and pursuing those types of people, I start thinking like, okay, what is it they want? How can I, da, 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 how can I be that person that they want to sign? And then I'm just like, why are you doing this? Right. Why are you doing this? If people are hesitant with signing you, you should not be with them. Uh, absolutely. Period. Absolutely. Like, period. Yeah. And That's if they don't true. sign you, good. Because I have had agents and I have had managers as an actor mm. that did fuck all for me. Sure. And it was a waste of time. And I invested so much hope and dreams and optimism yeah. in these people because like, oh, it's I'm with a good agency, you know? And it's like, look, 
if I have to make it myself, I just have to make it myself until somebody else can see this vision and be like, see dollar signs. Yeah. Which I don't know why they haven't already. Do you know what I mean? Well, but it's just like- <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. A lot of times these organizations don't know fuck all. They just happen to be in the right position. I mean, whether it's acting, whether it's this, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's so funny how much weight is put on agents and managers at the same time. You kind of need a manager to hash out certain <laughs> things or money. I saw an interview you were talking about how a lot of places try to get people to either perform or you know use their artistry uh, for no money or low money. Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. And it's like, it's um yeah it's it's exhausting it's it's so i mean it's just it's just kind of the plight of the independent artist you know what i mean where sure. it's like you have to both invest in your creativity and have that relaxation and that space in order to grow as an artist at the same time you have to chase these invoices you have to make these invoices you have to hustle for the gigs you have to network you have to finance the projects mm. that you want you know people to then invest in in the future it's so much but it's like when you are genuinely different and when you are doing something that's kind of like against the grain and that isn't yeah. something like that someone's seen before that something is seen before it's like you're automatically seen as a risk so it's just about going like right i am a risk i am a risk i'm a risk that's fucking worth investment you yeah. know and so and when i meet that person that gets it it's going to be great. But before, but until then, it's like, fine. Like, I would rather do it all myself because I know what it's like Yeah. to like waste time investing in people that like can't actually do what they say they, they said they wanted to do for you, you know? Yeah. I find that when a lot of, when people have uh, a lot of advice, like, you know what you should be doing? You know what you should Fuck do? Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you know what I should be doing? Not talking to you, bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they're waving a, a flag, like, I'm not for you. This is not the one. They're never the people that are doing what we do. Do you know what I mean? They're never the people that are actually like, like in my case, like they're not performers. Yeah. They're like some, I don't know, person that works in finance or something at a corporate. And they're like, yeah. do you know what you should do? Because I've had a couple G and T's. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. But people are so quick to do that to artists. Mm -hmm. Don't you find like, yeah. I, it's like, oh, well, you're doing that very, very difficult, difficult thing and you must be struggling. So any bit of advice that I can give you is, is surely going to like mean something to you. Right. Because I do well at a hedge fund. So I might know. Yeah. Oh girl. But if you do well in a hedge fund, honey, <laughs> I have so many projects that need your help. Yeah, see, that's the thing. The hedge fund people, if they really want to get their hands dirty, yeah, there's a lot that can be done with very little of their resources. Yeah. That's the other great thing about hedge fund people, come to think of it, because they have outrageous capital yeah. available. I mean, artists need these people. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Like, like it's just, you know, they just need to be game. They need to be up for it. Yeah, and plus... Look, I like to, I've been thinking of it this way. I kind of want to propose some people this in this fashion. Here's the thing. It's either going to work out phenomenally well, which it will, or you have a tax write-off. Don't you love tax write-offs? That's such a good way of phrasing it. That's such Aren't a you good always looking for a tax write-off? I'm just going to like, I just kind of want to paraphrase what you just said and yeah. somehow get it into like my Instagram bio. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> yeah. it's either going to be great or it's a write-off. Yeah. Either way, here's my PayPal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll work out perfectly well for you. And if not, we can come up with something that's a perfect tax write-off, a complete producer's type 
disaster musical. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this look, is the way look the at the future. producers. Everyone loves that show. And the whole premise of the show is that they thought Springtime for Hitler would tank and it didn't. So no one really knows, right? No one knows. Just go with God. Yeah, just go with God. <laughs> Praise be. Yeah. Strut with Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to touch on a little bit of uh, your acting career as a kid, mm. I'm just thinking about how brutal the audition process must have been Horrible. in terms of rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, uh, the, the stuff that you hear about LA and with uh, particularly like very young actors, it's all true. Like, it's not like out in the open and like, you know, um, I, I, I didn't have <laughs> I had dark I, there there was okay um I I went to a um I went to oh my god am I going to get sued for saying this but like I I, I can went bleep I, stuff or when I was very very young I was in a um a workshop that was led by um Disney casting directors and this was um they invited a, a, a group of kids that I think they were interested in working with in the future. I don't know. And mm-hmm. um, with, with any of these things, you know, the, the, the parents sit in the waiting room. The parents never go into the room mm-hmm. with the kids and the casting directors or the producers like that. That's not the rules, or at least it wasn't in the nineties. Again, this was the nineties. Yeah. She's old. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and one of the exercises was in quote unquote character building where um, it was it was up to us to maintain professionalism, quote unquote, throughout the duration of the exercise to determine how well we could, you know, work under pressure. Mm-hmm. And the exercise was literally getting us up one by one in front of a camera and they would berate us. Wow. And we had to maintain a smile. Wow. They told kids that they were, they, they, they said horrible things, like um, really, really nasty, nasty, abusive things Mm -hmm. to us and the whole point was that we just had to like maintain composure that was the exercise it got to me and um you know i'm i'm a cancer i'm i'm very sensitive (laughs) (laughs) i could not deal with this and i screamed my head off and i ran into the waiting room Mm -hmm. in in, and just like grabbed my mother i was like ah this is horrible i want to go home and um that really worried all the 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 parents and and it kind of like temporarily shut down the workshop for that day anyway i never got called by disney after that um but that happened you know i was um i I was told by my manager at the age of 12 years old that i needed to like show more personality in my meetings and by doing this i should be more tactile with casting directors oh dear yes I i was told to shake their hand um i was i was told like I was, I was well, an, another actress that was on her books. Who's actually a very famous actress um, now. Um, and we shared a manager at the time uh, who had recently got a, a, a job by giving a casting director a, a massage. Wow. Yeah. Cause this, it called for it in the script. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this was used as a reference point for me. Like, okay, so this is what this person did. And she got that job. You should do things like that. Show more personality in your meetings. Be more tactile with the people that I'm sending you on meetings for. And I was 12 years old when this was said to me. Yeah. So this is stuff that like, and you know, I know this is like a little bit dark that I'm, this is all stuff that happened to me. And yeah, it, it's, it's all true. People do need to know that this actually happens. Yeah. You know, again, I'm sure things are different now 
but that doesn't excuse that this did happen like you in know, the 90s which is not that long ago yeah like i'm 38 years old and like yeah i'm 38 years old but like i'm also only 38 years old like this, right. this was in a lot of people's lifetimes you know yeah and yeah it was weird like really toxic you yeah. know um also and, the implication that you're not getting these roles because you're not being handsy enough essentially yeah with these adults with adults yeah with adults that, and the manager you know co-signing on this sort of thing kind of 100 yeah 100 and um and, and and again you know this was said to me like over the phone like as if your posture wasn't good or you know as if uh, you need to maintain eye contact it's something something that would be like a normal thing to say yes but you know as we as we've seen then this is like the really horrible side of hollywood it's like you know even this is what we've seen like you know the me too boom and it's like you know what i've just said to you right now like yeah that happened when i was 12 but it's like that happens to people of all ages you know and it's like it's what's been happening to women that's that's been in the press you know most yeah most recently but like there's it it that whole code of conduct is um, really rampant throughout that industry. And the music industry is absolutely no different. I mean, mm. it's like... I mean, one of the more the ghoulish worst. things about it, the glibness with which it was said, it's just part of daily business. Yeah. Uh, and, and the sort of uh, smile. Yeah. While this horrible nonsense is going on. Yeah. Mm. As it's just like a, a pro tip. How long were you th- with that manager? Roughly, uh, a, a, few mm-hmm. a few years. Now, how often would you get booked on gigs? So I used to. I only used to go down to Los Angeles um, when I either got a job or it was pilot season. So I would go down between like January and March, and I would take time off of school, and I would get like a home curriculum, mm-hmm. and I would just like live down there for those few months and get like whatever commercials that I would get or little bits and bobs here there did you enjoy it um i did enjoy it because i wanted to do it yeah you know i didn't my parents never forced me to do it right it seems like they were just very supportive and this is what you wanted from the age of seeing madam butterfly yeah Yeah. and that was the dream you know and like um yeah and and you know I, i contributed to my college fund and my parents didn't spend the money that i made and you know, so it wasn't it wasn't all bad. Um, right. Spent a lot of time in Disneyland, uh-huh. um, which was great. I was a big Disney, even though Disney didn't like me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> still loved still loved their work. Um, but yeah, so it, it was a it was a weird time. But yeah, I I felt kind of like burnt out by the end of it. So at about like fifteen, I um. I, I don't think I even really wanted to go. I don't really remember. That was like, I don't know. There was like that time in adolescence where everything becomes so convoluted and strange. I don't really remember a lot from yeah, that. Sure. That period. I also had a really bad like eating disorder in that time. And there was a lot of like gender stuff that was going on in my sure. head that was um, making things very, very foggy. Sure. Um, but I, I, at 15, I was like, I think I'm just going to like get through high school and then think about like drama school and university and like that focus on that sure but for now i'm just going to kind of tick the boxes and because it, yeah, just, just, it uh, just became too much it, it did it did yeah. it, be- it became a lot it just became a lot and also like i wasn't you know i had identified so strongly as a child actor and the things that you can get away with as a kid you know you you like i don't know i feel like it's something that like only child actors really know like growing up is very different 
mm-hmm. when you've been a child actor because when you're a kid actor there are certain cards that you know you play the cute card you pay you play the like you know um you just get used to the way the world interacts with you. Mm-hmm. You're always younger than everybody else. You're always the special one, the one that needs special consideration. And so then when you become, you know, an adolescent and into adult, it, it makes that transition very difficult. The same tricks don't work the same way. The same tricks don't work the same. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I have to, like, there's a whole, wait, there's like, this is a t- actually like it's almost like playing the same game but it's like suddenly people are like yeah but the rules are totally different now and it's like oh shit fuck like yeah um and i think that overwhelmed me mm. uh and i think that was the reason why i was like okay I, I just i need to not do this right now because i actually don't know what i'm doing anymore right and also you're dealing with a whole host of identity issues at the time yeah and arriving at something it seems like <laughs> No, I mean, is, yeah. at the time, I mean, you know, not, I know. Not, yeah, that yeah, you're, yeah. not that you're indistinct in your character or anything no, like that. No, 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 but, no, no, you know. but, but I think that, I think that was the thing. I mean, my, look, when, when I was, um, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how you identify. I don't, or, but, sure. I, and, but like, or, or your background, but I feel like in, when I grew up, like gender was very binary. Absolutely. It was yeah. very like male and female. Yeah. So I didn't identify as a male. So I was just like, shit. I'm 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 a trans woman and so I I kind of spent most of my childhood feeling that I I was a trans woman simply because I did not identify as a male. And therefore there was no other classification. And there, was, there was no other class. I didn't yeah. know what non-binary was. I didn't yeah. know what any of these things that that people now talk about so openly. Right. Right. Um and thank God they do now, you know. Absolutely. Um but so um so you know so when I when I started uh, you know, adolescence and 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 changing. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake! Like, I don't want to change into a man. I don't identify as that. So I kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, I developed a really bad eating disorder in order to kind of like stunt growth and to sure. stay childlike as well, because that was also a safe place for me. Yeah, I identify. I, I, so much of my identity came from being a child and commodifying my childhood and my youth. Yeah. That like that that sort of contributed to this like body dysmorphia and and wanting to be perpetually young um yeah oof well, understandable We're in deep yeah. territory now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and i understand the eating disorder thing as well i was heavy as a kid yeah. most of the time and then you know there was other trauma and as you said before sometimes we can feel like oh i'm saying trauma all the time but the thing is we all have trauma and we it's do. you know and it's just understandable that we're going to bring it up because just like saying i don't know i lived here when i was this age or whatever yeah you know what i mean it's just part of the facts of everything it's part of the facts of everything and even if you are part of the status quo you know what i mean yeah like it's not just for us marginalized like we all have trauma yeah it's okay to talk about trauma it's better to yes yes and you know like my parents there were there were aspects of stuff that they did that like were traumatizing to me I don't think they're terrible people. Uh, I, I don't totally blame them. Do you know what I mean? mean? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, again, trauma is okay. Yeah. It happens to literally everyone. Everyone. On a micro or macro level. <laughs> yeah. And that's why everyone should do therapy at some point in their life. Some Absolutely. People, you know, and, and sometimes people find that odd, but it's true. Everyone has trauma. So therefore, shouldn't, wouldn't everyone uh, benefit, benefit from talking um, just about their life in general? Because everyone has stuff that they don't talk about readily to others. Yeah. Every, so stuff that will get stuck in a loop in your head for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, 
So, and I think any, uh, most people listening will register uh, or resonate rather with a lot of the things that you were saying. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, sure. for me, the eating disorder thing, it's interesting about how I identify. No, I identify as male. And, but I think if I was younger, perhaps I would identify maybe non-binary. I don't know. To me, I just think of myself as a guy. Uh-huh. I said that to someone and they laughed. They're like, you're not just like a guy. And I was like, no, no. I mean, like, I just, I just a guy, like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm a queer guy. Yeah. And, uh, but then again, I came to understanding that I was queer in the last five years. You okay. know what I mean? So that opened up a lot of things, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I think that the age does play a role in how we understand these things as well. Yes, because I think if I, if I, if I, if I grew up now, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be trauma. I'm not saying there wouldn't be like, you know, <laughs> hurdles to overcome. Yeah. But I think it'll be very different because trans identities are talked about. Yeah. And, and there's so many more uh, categories or definitions or explanations. Yes, 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 yes. But there's also like, you know, you, you can also be trans and not transition. You right. know what I mean? Like when, when right. I thought I was like, oh, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I feel like a woman in a man's body, that means I will have to transition at some point, you right. know, in, in my life, you know, cause again, like when I was, that's the education, that's, that's the conversations that mm. I was brought up with. Right. There's and a lot of uh, like, um, if if A, then B and C. Then B and C, yeah. No matter and, what. And yeah. there's no right, obviously there's no right or wrong answers to these things, you know, but it's like, and if I'm going to be totally honest, like, you know, there, there are still aspects of a trans identity that I still identify with. It's just, I have, I have chosen and it has been the right decision for me to not transition and to sort of, um, yeah, that's just been, that's been my truth. Um, but you know, like it was, it was very diff. It was very different. Yeah. Like so, you know, in 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 the nineties, it was different. Like in the in the past, when things were were still so binary, people were you know, g- <laughs> say like I said that was what I wanted to say. I don't know why this is like I feel this problematic. Like, even gays were looking for rights. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like I was like, mm. <laughs> you know. Well, but it, it, that's but that indicates though how far things have come. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it is kind of accurate what, what you just said, though. Yeah. Because the world was a different place. Yeah. Uh, and even, even in the 90s, which is really not that long ago. No. But we, if we look at other social changes that have happened since the 60s, let's say 63, 64, or whatever, mm. massive, massive changes. Huge. And that's not that long ago, nope, really. It's not. No. It's yeah. Not. And then in the last 10 years, other changes. So it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Sometimes things are changing so rapidly, but also it seems like it hasn't changed that much. But then, you know, and also generationally, when you look at Gen Z's comprehension and uh, ease of use with uh, gender or sexuality, et cetera, it's like a whole new world. You know, I love love Gen Z. Yeah, me too. I love them. Me too. They're They're great. They're so fast. Yeah. They are so fast. Their humor is like lightning. Mm -hmm. And which also, because of that, it means they're perception of nuance mm. is so fine which is aided and abetted by humor always yes you know just Absolutely. like we talked about a reverence before uh-huh. i think that's the key to so many things that sometimes is missing yes yeah and, and 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 it's true and they they do just accept it's like it's it's um yeah it'll be great when they're like our age 
Yeah, I liked when they made millennials really upset. That was really funny. Yeah, well, millennials like to get upset. I think we really like to get. It's true. All wound up about stuff. We like to get upset. Yeah. We like to get offended, and um, yeah, because I think we were also like. I don't know. I feel like Facebook had to, has a lot to answer for. <laughs> it does in general. The yeah. status update. Oh, yeah. The status update, I feel, really fucked people up from like 2007 until like 2015. I think yeah. that just like changed. Because there had to be this very <laughs> definitive declaration. I think this about this. <laughs> and I am willing to argue it in paragraphs for the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, the amount of wasted time I spent. Jeez. Possibly to strangers. More likely than not. Yeah. I go on my Facebook now and I'm literally like, I don't know who these people are. Who yeah. are you? Yeah. <laughs> Facebook is good for like maintaining uh, casual sort of extended family. Here's what I'm doing. Here's some photos. All that stuff. But I think once it gets past that, it's a little... Uh, birthdays as well. Yeah, birthdays. It always nice. reminds you about like, you know, and it's good because you're just like, oh, this is someone that I actually want to say happy birthday to. And then there's someone else that's just like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. I should probably get rid of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> At least like, mute them. At least I, mute I know them. it's your birthday, but like, I, I have no idea who you are. I we cannot <laughs> put it together. Even if you look at See Friendship, all you'll see is three happy birthdays. Exactly. Yeah, that. And it's just like, okay, I... <laughs> I think it's time to move on. <laughs> I think it's time to move on. When did you move on, like a segue, when did you move on from the drama school uh, to, well, actually, when you moved on from the drama school, didn't you, you sort of gave up the arts for a while, right? Uh, temper. So, okay, I graduated drama school and was tremendously successful and worked in a call center for seven years. Um, <laughs> That's a role that you, you cannot fake. you got to really commit. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, they were shut down by the Daily Mail. Really? Yeah. Wow. So oh. what was the general... So basically, it was a company. I don't want to get sued, so I'm not going to name them. But sure. Like, <laughs> basically, it was, a, it was a charity call center that was like an umbrella company that called on behalf of like Red Cross, Water Aid, Cancer Research UK. And um, they were cold collar shark collars however yeah. you want it you know you know we were told like you need to get the money over the phone get the the bank details to set up the direct debit over the phone that day or like it didn't count it didn't mm -hmm. count towards your target you know and we were trained to be ruthless um I, I do want to say I didn't actually last very long in this part. I ended up doing secretarial work and that's what I spent the majority of that seven years doing because I couldn't actually hack this. Um, it's a little spooky, to be honest, that ability to do the shark calling. It's, um, it's, it's, it's tyrannical. Like it was, no, really, it was like, it, you know, I, I was on the phone with like this old lady and she was just like, my carer isn't here. I don't have my checkbook. And you know, I don't have my walker. And I literally had a supervisor scream down to me saying, you need to get her bank details or else those children are going to die. And wow. you will wait on the phone until she gets her bank details. And I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but I'm going to need to wait on the phone with you while you get. I was like, I can't do this. I absolutely can't do it. Horrible. Absolutely terrible. Anyway, years later, I had left. Um, and uh, this this very old lady um, had gotten off the phone with a charity calls center person because she gave so much of her money to charity. She had barely anything left for herself. Mm. She could not physically afford to give to yet another one. Yeah. And the cold caller guilted her so much because, again, that is what we are trained to do. Yeah. Um, 
And she very tragically committed suicide. Oh, wow. And so there was a, an investigation launched by the Daily Mail into cold calling companies. And they happened to choose the one that I worked for. And they sent someone in with a camera and a, um, and, and a microphone to apply for a job which they got, and they had firsthand experience of these supervisors screaming at people mm -hmm. to get bank details no matter what, even if the person is, like, disabled and, and you know, to endanger themselves. I mean, horrible, horrible, sure. horrible. And so this went to press. Yeah. Within two weeks, every single charity had pulled their work from the place. And... Um, there was less secretarial work to do. <laughs> there, no, well, I had I had left by that point. Oh, right, right, I had right, left right. about three years after this actually sure. happened. Yeah, but when it did happen, I was like, "LOL." <laughs> <laughs> I asked someone, "This is horrible." I actually sent an email <laughs> to the head of the company because <laughs> I still had like because they're so stupid. Like I just I still had like a work email there. Oh, that's, that I knew yeah. how to log into. I was just. Because <laughs> they were so horrible to me. That's a whole other story. But yeah. like they were, they were. Doesn't just sound like, like they they had a good. Size they were terrible stuff. people, yeah. and like yeah. all the directors of this company were all on like two hundred and fifty k. Like I had to shred their P sixties. I know this. <laughs> like that was one of my jobs. I was like, oh my god, you pay me seven quid an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They deserve the LOL. They did deserve the mm -hmm. LOL, and also just like yeah. So I don't think, thankfully, I don't think companies like that exist. Right. That's one good thing the Daily Mail did. Yeah, one of the yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while, yeah. Every once in a very blue moon, <laughs> they took care of that. And it's another twenty years of nonsense. So when you left that company, would you like another one of those? By the way, or is that good? Right no, now? I think I'm good. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're enjoying a podcast special: rose lemonade, vodka, and fizzy water. We love it. We yes, love indeed. It. It's pride. It is pride. Happy pride, everybody. <laughs> Remember. So you left the call center, and then what was that next period like? So or rather, then, actually, before before we get there. Uh, Towards the end of the call center times, mm -hmm. how are you feeling? What's going on with you? Um, well, things weren't working. You know, I wasn't, I, I was getting, I was getting acting work, but it wasn't like paying the bills. And um, I, I had great pride issues with that. Like I, I set out to be a, you know, self-sustaining artist and it wasn't, it wasn't happening. So for me, I was just like, I'm not happy so if I'm not able to make money off of my art and being a performer, being an actor or whatever, then I, I'd rather just completely change focus. So I start, I, I, I do this thing and I, I still do this to date, um, which is work as an actor doing medical role play where I work for various um, medical schools mm -hmm. and act patients for student doctor's examinations. Mm. Um and I've been doing this since I graduated drama school because it's one of these really weird, like niche acting jobs, but it's quite lucrative. That's the important thing. Yeah. And it's got a good day rate. And, yeah. you know, and I, I've just kept doing it through my drag career. Cause it's like, whatever, I get, you know, get a good amount of money for like one day's worth of work. I don't have to get in makeup. Yeah. Easy, you know? Um, so I had started to do this and I had worked my way in with um, King's College School of Medicine and I was doing like little bits of teaching work for them on communication skills and mm -hmm. um, confidence building for professionals, yeah. um, for the student doctors. Excuse me. But, um, and uh, so I had started do, I had started earning a little bit of money off of doing that. And I went, okay, well, if I want to take that a bit more seriously, maybe I'll become a teacher. And so I, I got on a, um, a teacher's course and I was earning enough money off of medical role play and also doing teaching work. Um, 
that I was able to leave the call center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got an, it, onto this course and um, I got a student loan. And it was the first time I had a student loan because when I studied the first time, I wasn't eligible mm-hmm. for it as, as an international uh, student. So a lot um, of the child acting role money went to that. It really did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then some. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. But uh, so... Um, so I, um, so I had, I had, I had money for the first time. I had some money in my bank account and I saw this drag competition (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I was like, I've had this idea. Cause I, when I was in the call center, I, I had started doing YouTube videos and Virgin, the Virgin Mary ended up being a character that I did quite a lot on YouTube Mm -hmm. and all of these videos are deeply buried in the recesses of the internet <laughs> now we don't really need every, everyone seeing that type of thing but um <laughs> but yeah and it was just kind of like my creative outlet while i was doing a shit job and but i always really liked the character of the virgin mary and it, yeah. it was very much so as she is now it was just like she was like the virgin mary as like a gender fuck drag entity with a valley girl accent and a mustache that was it yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, she would talk about very, very mundane things. And so there was this drag competition. I was like, well, you know, like, I don't know. Let's just give, I, whatever. I can afford a cab. Yeah. That's what all it was. I could afford a cab. Makes a big difference when you it can afford a It does make cab. a big difference. Yeah. So I could get there safely and do this thing and see what, what happens. Yeah. And I ended up winning it. And then it just kind of just immediately got me onto like a gig circuit. And that's literally all it was. And I never ended up getting the teacher's certificate um <laughs> and i just kind of think of it as like you know virgin startup company yeah. um, <laughs> right well really paybacks whatever yeah but, um yeah and and that's it it just virgin happened just so organically there was like mm. no real thought even involved in it it was just oh i like this i have the money to get myself to a gig yeah. And not have to, you know, deal with public transport or people abusing me on the street or whatever like that for being in makeup. So I'm just going to give it a go. Being able to sell fun things. Sometimes. Thank you, student finance of England yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for making me a teacher. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it sounds obvious, but having a little bit of money just in order to feel safe, to feed yourself, all that stuff, it makes such a huge difference because when you're in a desperate financial place and you're trying to do something artistic, the 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 um, aims behind the artistic thing can sometimes get muddied by the need for money I really mean, it's the reason why so many artists and particularly people in the music industry are from privilege oh absolutely because how the fuck are you going to finance it because it's like you know it's it, it's one thing being like a gigging drag act yeah it's another thing you know, being, and and this is something I now realize, you know, being like a singer songwriter or a musician, it's just like, well, you have to produce the work for people to then (laughs) sell you. Like, so you have to, you have to come up with the goods before anything even happens. Well, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, you have to pay for it. Well, where does that come from? Well, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's very, very hard. It's it's very and that, that yeah, that's the absolute reason why so many artists, well, so many artists that you see working, mm. it's like you dig a bit closer. It's like, well, how did you afford 
that. How did you afford to do that? Whether it's something they're wearing or because I know the clubs that you work at. Yeah. You're on the same wage as I am, bitch. Right. Like, I can't afford that. Like, I know. Right. It's yeah. like, well, that's where you come from. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a reason for it. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that, you know, rich people can't be great artists. I'm not saying that. But it's like it's the reason why privileged people end up uh, kind of dominating the industry. Yeah, because they have a way better shot at having the time well they have the luxury of being able to do it yeah exactly you because know? you know if you're working two jobs etc you're not going to have the time to sit and develop anything it, no exactly exactly yeah yeah well um let's see wait now i'm lost um well yeah so we we're so okay so i think it's interesting as well uh well hold on so being able to develop a virgin organically must have been such a relief because you weren't even maybe even realizing that you were developing no that's true the next stage yeah i didn't no yeah. i was just doing it for fun um and then like i just started making money off of doing it um not enough to sustain myself for the first like year obviously you know i kept doing the role play i kept doing the teaching and stuff like that and then just very organically like over the course of time it's just become the main source of 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 income and and what what you know what i what i do but and what um, fuels you creatively it, yeah, yeah 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 i mean things things are things are kind of changing now with with music because it's mm -hmm. like the um you know it's almost like mm, it's interesting things were very focused on virgin before and now they're kind of shifting to being more focused on me but i still use virgin as like my vehicle sure if that makes sense and we say before do you mean before the pavarotti or just before in general um yeah before before penny demdems <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i have only seen you live once and that was as part of the manesh is it manesh or manish uh yes manish as part of the manish aurora fashion show yes at the i'm drawing a blank on the name what's the name of the place the freemasons hall thank you very much the yeah. freemasons hall um and that was quite spectacular yes and it was exciting also to see you and others bishy etc as part of this like sort of living art installation yeah was that the first time that you'd done something like that or have you done more of those uh, no I, I i had walked for manish uh in at Paris Fashion Week in 2019, um, but it was a quite similar thing where it wasn't a conventional like runway. Mm -hmm. It was more of like an installation, um, which I just think is the way he is choosing to work um, nowadays. Um, yeah, I mean that I I'm 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 working in different capacities now. Like you know, it used to be like I was literally just booked at a club to come and do like five ten minutes. Or do like an hour or something like that, you know, and just do a set and like, that's it, go home. And it's like, now I'm doing very different things where I'm like, either, you know, modeling in, in shows. It's like uh, tomorrow I'm being photographed um, with uh, in, in conjunction with Hunger Magazine hmm. um, by Jordan Rossi and being interviewed at the same time <laughs> as being photographed and in front of an audience. And <laughs> like, I'm getting paid for this now. And it's very, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, but it's uh, it's very different. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think because of the pandemic, um, there really isn't a lot of like cabaret that's happening anymore, um, which I think just has to do with the fact that it's you know 
a lot, you know, like the cost of living has become so extortionate. People just, you know, can't afford to put things on as much as they used to. So the industry has changed yeah. quite a bit. And I think that like artists are having to be very flexible and adapt. Um, and I, I see this with my peers mm -hmm. all over, you know, people who, you know, used to work like in cabaret are now working in clubs or people who are working in clubs are now working in TV or people who are doing this are now styling. And, you know, it's like, cause we're all kind of having to be like, right. Okay. Uh, we have to survive. And, you know, yeah. queers, we're very good at that. Yes. We're very good at that yeah. again because of trauma. Well, yeah. And we also, are, <laughs> yeah. And also having to look at the world in a very specific way as an outsider to, yeah. you, you do get a sense of how things work yes. a lot more comprehensively than some others and where there's need and mm. what is in my tool belt yeah that can fit into this new normal this new paradigm that we're all you know kind of working in right now we're very good at survival yeah yeah that's very true and it is very true also that it is a different world it is now. a different world it is and it, it's hard to quantify it sometimes it is hard to, i was thinking this actually because I was looking at um, photographs from before the pandemic, and I realized that my brain has automatically, like there is a, um, there's almost like a line in the sand in my brain yeah. at 2020. Yeah. Where it's like, that's when things change. <laughs> right. I don't exactly understand. I don't know how to like articulate how it changed, but it shifted. Something mm -hmm. shifted. And now it's like a new chapter. Or it's like a new book in the series. Oh, you know absolutely, what I mean? yeah. Um, and I feel like that it will always be that way. I agree with you, yeah. Like I, I feel it, like for the rest yeah. of my life, it, there, that's that line is still always going to be there. Absolutely, and I, you see it also, and again, not exactly easily quantifiable ways in interpersonal relationships as well. Just there's something it's affected every strata of existence. Yeah, yeah. I'm much more. Um, I I uh I think I value my communication with people a lot more now. Mm -hmm. And I think I am more open as a person. Mm -hmm. Um cuz I I I kind of I don't take it for I don't take like human communication like for granted now as much. Sure. Cuz there was a time when we couldn't even be sitting in the same room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like yeah. and that's crazy yeah. to think that oh, like It is. Go ahead. There was like a year Oh yeah, that that was it was that was our reality. Like, yeah. In addition to washing groceries and things, uh, the only time you saw people was on Zoom, unless you yeah. lived in in a home with another person, or you know maybe yeah. your neighbor or something like that. Maybe. I mean, gosh, I mean, I I had the privilege of you know because I have a partner and I was you know able to always be with my partner Dusty and you know, luckily we really like each other. So <laughs> it's very helpful. For, yeah. We've been married <laughs> for nearly 15 years. We should, you know, and so it's like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think like, my God, like for people that were like alone, like, I can't imagine that must've been an entirely different experience. Well, it was very head spinning for me, for sure. Uh, you know, meeting Ada when we met was such a godsend really. Uh, because it was early on in the pandemic and we fostered a very strong bond very quickly. Okay. Yeah, we met online because she was to be on the show. I don't know why I thought you guys had been together like for ages. I, well, that's, I, I like that though, because it does yeah. have that feeling, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I've, and it feels that way for me and for her as well, uh -huh. which is nice. And thank you for that. <laughs> uh, no, but, and that's another amazing thing about it is that we met online, you know, but yes, that, that, 
seem to not be a barrier to entry, if anything. No. Yeah. Which is a remarkable thing because I never would. If you had asked in 2019, would you imagine meeting someone and carrying on a relationship for, say, a year and a half to two years without meeting them in person? You'd be like, that's insane. That's what are you insane. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think um, all of us found something that, you know, or some way to relate to people, thankfully. Also, it's interesting when you realize that you can actually communicate in that way over the phone. I don't just mean phone sex, but I mean, you, yeah. know, you can actually get a sense of someone yeah, you over can. a screen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, you know, during the pandemic, like, you know, I, the, the way I earned a living was by doing shows on Instagram. Right. You know, cause like at the, but yeah, the, like the, the start of the pandemic, I, um, I, I panic flew with, <laughs> with my partner back to my, my parents' place in the Cisco. At the time I was living in a warehouse. Oh, okay. And it was very communal. And it was like, look, there was a fucking virus going around. Like I share toilets with like 60 people. Yeah. Like, you know, and that was just the lifestyle that I led at the time. It was cheap rent and it allowed me and my partner to do, you know what I mean? You know, like, of course. Survival. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Going back to whole, that whole thing. But, um, you know, and then I was like, oh, but we, we can't be here. And also I was like, you know, because we weren't technically allowed to live there legally. <laughs> so I was just Classic, like, shit. Uh, British thing. Yeah, yeah, if they yeah. if they shut down yeah. places that are not like, you know, purely 100% residential, like we're going to be like, fuck, like we got to get out of here. So right. I, I packed three suitcases of Virgin, yeah. much to, to my partner's annoyance. Because <laughs> he was just like, what the fuck? Like we have like one carry-on yeah. and we're splitting the carry-on and you're bringing three <laughs> suitcases full of drag. I was like, honey, like, I don't know how long we're going to be gone. Like, I have to make money. Yeah. Like, and I will be able to figure out a way of doing it. I don't know what that is yet, but I will figure out. But I need her yeah. with me for right. the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will go down with the ship. That is the ship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, and I know, I know a lot of performers really hated the, like, <laughs> the, the Zoom drag gig you yeah. know and a lot of people but i actually really liked it and mm -hmm. you know i had a really interesting experience because my parents live so far out in the woods that like they don't have really good wi-fi so i ended up having to do shows where i could get 4g oh right but yeah so i had to go into town but obviously all the venues were closed so i couldn't do the event so i ended up doing drag shows in my high school parking lot because i still knew my <laughs> old drama teacher i was like look yeah hi do you remember me cool okay so <laughs> I don't need access to the theater, but can I just like use the parking lot? Like, can you just like let whoever security just like know yeah. just going to be a drag queen? Like, <laughs> it's with their phone <laughs> and a speaker, and I'm going to be singing some pop songs, and like no one is going to be there. And she yeah. was like, "That's fine." But seems I, like that hit during a time where people were like, "Yeah, w whatever you want." Like, you know, just that feeling of like, "Yeah, sure, we don't know what's going on with the world, so uh, people, please do something." Honestly, people were so generous. Yeah, like I paid my rent for months doing this by not charging people like there was no entrance feed you know, obviously it was yeah. just me on instagram with my paypal details pinned and just said look if you've ever enjoyed my shows if you've liked a picture if you follow me if if you th if you think there's worth in what i do just send me a couple quid sure just look this is the situation we're in i know some of you are on furlough so yeah. just come on you know yeah and if you can't then that's fine too and enjoy right. the show because right. I'm not doing this just purely for this, but we yeah. know the let's, tea of the let's, situation. Yeah, let's all like, be and very you know what situation I'm in. Yeah. You know where I, you know what's happening to me right now. Yeah. So I'm in a high school parking lot. I am. You can see it. <laughs> you can see the graffiti. Look, right. it says go bears like yeah. <laughs> or go grizzlies, whatever the fuck it was. But like, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, and you know, it, it, it really like, um, I don't know. It made me feel, it made me believe in what I do even more. Mm-hmm. Like, even though things were so dire and I, I didn't know like if there was even like an industry to come back to, you right. know? Um, but it just made me think like, gosh, like there is worth in this. And there's people f- who are sending me money that would never have even come to a show because they live in Sweden or Iran or wherever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like people from all over the place. Yeah. But um, yeah. And, and so it was like, it was just really heartwarming to just be like, okay, like, this is where we're all at. This is where we're all at. And there's, there's longevity into this that, that, I don't even see. Well, that's another aspect of the whole uh, panna cotta that is good to look back on. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, for all the terror and horrible things and awfulness, there's great things like, for instance, with me meeting Ada online, you realizing certain things about the longevity and um, the uh, the reach, yeah. say, of being online around the world yeah. instead of just being at the club that you go to because it's near where you live. Yeah. Or, you know, however, you're touring, whatever. So there are all, there is a lot of good stuff that we can take from it. Hopefully maintain that. Yeah. And I mean, it's also like, God bless the internet. Oh yeah. You know, the internet's pretty good. The internet is great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you found a partner and yeah. like, you know, if, you know, we all bitch about social media, some, you know, so much and myself included, sure. but like it's, when something like that happens and you really need your community and yeah. suddenly you realize like, actually my community is like so far beyond even my postcode, like mm. even my city. Yeah. And sometimes it can feel so, especially when you're marginalized, especially when you're queer, like it can feel so like tight and like, yeah. Oh God, like it's just on my front doorstep or it's not there at all. And it's not true. It's not true. Yeah. It's, not and true. it's amazing when you talk to people that, Maybe you don't even interact with all that often on social media, but they know something about your life. Yeah. And you go, oh, wait a second. That's right. Yeah. We see each other's lives. Yeah. You know, but you forget that also because sometimes we graft onto our interactions in social media, whatever trauma happened in school when we were young. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or just assumptions about how people are viewing things because uh-huh. of stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's wild. It is. And I also want to find out about when you met Dusty so that was okay that was like this is okay get ready for like <laughs> like sappy we love that because it, it, look i'm i don't mean to be sappy and like a really cringy rom-com but like that was literally just the tea of the situation <laughs> like and like i okay i never had a boyfriend i had had like sexual experiences with like literally a handful of people like i've always had a very complicated relationship with my sexuality like almost more so than like my gender Mm -hmm. um and so my parents okay long story short my parents temporarily moved to new mexico i injured myself in drama school and had to have surgery and i went back because i was still on my mother's insurance policy so I was taking full advantage of that, you know, mm. good American privileged <laughs> insurance um, because I knew I'd be on a waiting list forever on the NHS. And I was just like, and I was all, only on her policy until like the age 24 oh, sure, or something yeah. like that. So I was like, just do it now. Yeah. Um, and so I went 
back to the States, had my operation, and I was recuperating. Um, so I had not still fi- finished drama school mm-hmm. at this time. Um, and I was recuperating, and I was in this town that I didn't know, and I ended up just going to this cafe. Dusty was a barista at the cafe. I was just like, wow, you are so cute. <laughs> and you're such a good person, and actually, I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And I literally had that, I just kind of, that was it. Yeah. Like that was it. I don't know. I'm j- I'm I'm just a I'm very potent water sign. Uh-huh. And like I think I was just kind of waiting for like just the, the universe to drop that right. And so I would I just decided. And so I stalked him um <laughs> for a while. I mean, I literally uh he didn't have a phone. Mm-hmm. Um and I I did actually throw pebbles at his window. Wow. It like literally that cliche. Yeah, I'm apologizing to both you and everybody listening to this <laughs> because I know it's disgusting. I know, but it's it, it literally it's is just what very, happened. It's very cute. It's very cute. It, Did you, yeah, it's cute. But you didn't do the boombox over the head, so no, I didn't do the. But it was like base. It was like like a, a hair away from it, though. Literally, um, and yeah, and uh, and so we decided to kind of do the the long distance thing yeah. until we figured out what was going to happen after I graduated. He was just like, Oh, I, I don't really like this long distance thing. And I was like, okay, well that's fine. Like if you want to come here, you want to get out of your small town. Yeah. I want to get a small town. Okay, cool. So you come here, we'll get you on a student visa. And if it's all working out, we can get married in a year. And I said it just as casually as I was like, Oh my God, you've just proposed to this guy. You've known him yeah. a month. <laughs> like you've known him like, what are you doing? <laughs> but that, yeah. And that, that's, that, that's just quite literally what happened. We, well, that's we, kind of how it is. A lot of times when you just know, yeah about someone yeah and right. I, you know we we got married we got married so that we could be together sure you know i i you know i i don't hold a lot of value to the institution of marriage yeah but obviously i hold value to legally what that can allot you mm. and in 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 a bid to live your life with the person that you want you know that's what we had to do and and civil partnerships had just been introduced mm. in the uk and so in, um, yeah, in 2008, we got married, we got him on a spousal visa mm-hmm. and, um, and that was, and that was it. And, and we, and we moved into each other. We lived in Dalston for eight years cause it was cheap. It was cheap, right? It was cheap <laughs> in those days. Cause it went like this, didn't it? It went shortage, right? Then that got too expensive. Yeah. And then Dalston. Yeah. And now what's the new Dalston? Um, <sighs> Or is it hard to know because of what's been going on the last couple of years? I think it's a bit hard to know what's going on because of the past couple of years. But I think Leighton Stone will probably blow up. Mm. I feel like it. Mm-hmm. But then again, we kind of thought that was happened to Stratford okay. because of the Olympics. And mm-hmm. then that was just a deserted waste of money with a gigantic <laughs> pool in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so we were in Dalston for eight years. We were in Dalston for eight years. And that's where we kind of like just really got to know each other. And we had many arguments. And <laughs> <laughs> we had, yeah. And, um, and that place was just so weird. That flat was just, it was 563 pounds a month. Wow. With no central heating. Well, of course. That's, yeah. yeah. You have to pay 565 for that. Yeah, yeah. Right. On the high street. I know, but 563 a month for a one bedroom not on the high studio. street yeah uh, that's pretty good i know you can get some blankets 
Exactly. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some space heaters. Exactly. I mean, we were fighting a lot, so <laughs> we <laughs> get the blood up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When, um, when he first started uh, having, so let's say, regular fights, or when he first started engaging in conflict, because one thing that people forget sometimes is that relationships, no matter how good they are, are going to have conflict, and it's actually a good uh-huh. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have them. What was it like when you first started having conflict? Um, I think for me, it was uh, a lesson of um not being a selfish person um, because I had grown up as an only child and I was kind of told the world revolved around me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, that was just, that sure. was my lived experience. You know, I can't, you know, and I was an actor and it was, there was so much emphasis on performance and performativeness. Okay. Yeah. And now we are getting into some of my toxic traits, <laughs> you know, and I, I needed to learn how to adapt that behavior because, you know, there was someone in my life that loved me for me. And I wasn't used to that. I was used to people only loving me because I was funny or entertaining mm. or I could command the center of, of attention. Um, and I had learned to play those cards so well that then taking uh, those um, traits and bringing them to my relationship is obviously going to end you in a big pool of, of toxicity and, <laughs> and not, not okayness, you know? Um, and so that's what I, that's what I can take responsibility for. Um, I, 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 you know, he, he's, um, he's not perfect by any means, but my, oh, who is? but Dusty is a very patient person. I will say that. <laughs> I was, you know, lucky that, that someone was there to kind of, you know, weather that storm with me. And, um, so wait, what was your question? Oh, I was you were just like, curious about when, you know, because conflict will arise in any relationship, even yeah. the best relationship. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is the thing. This is the thing with relationships, I think. And this is what people don't want to ever tell you. It is a choice to stay Every with day, someone. Actually. Yeah. Or rather, love is a daily choice. This is a quote that I read that I thought really- It is. Um, impact. I thought it was very apt. No, it is. Yeah. This is the thing. Like, look, the fire and the um, the- passion and the da 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 that romance you know the the things that they write you know novels about and stuff like that movies and stuff like that yes it's all there and yes hopefully that will sustain throughout the relationship but it is you cannot rely on it well yeah and also you can't just uh take it for granted you no you cannot no because then it will go away yes so what what when when you strip all of that away and you look at what a relationship is for what it is, it is a choice that two people have made to stay together for w- in in whatever capacity. Sure, you know whether it's whether it's open, whether it's monogamous, whether you know, but for whatever whatever that that understanding is, two people have or multiple people even choose to be together in whatever this is that is called a relationship, right? And it's quite cold and it's quite, um, it's not really romantic, but you need that there in order to have that kind of bond mm. with one person or a group of people, right. you know? And it's like, you know, I think, I feel like people kind of view relationships as a bit too whimsical where it's like, oh, it either happens or it doesn't. It's like, well, it happens or it doesn't if you want it. Like, but the, I think the reason why the majority of people break up is because they want to break up. Right. 
Yeah. And if that's your choice, then that's your choice. You know, if in, in if you choose to stay together, then something shifts and then things change. And then you're it's it, it's almost like being with a different person once that hurdle. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. Um, it's the same person, but you see them in a more comprehensive way. Yeah. And so therefore it's changed somewhat, but then you're also committed to the idea that you're there for each other and with each other to both independently be the best version of yourself. And yeah. also that's the only way you can be together with someone really. If you're committed to maintaining that, uh, like the integrity of your being, that's the only way to uh, maintain the integrity of the union, however you want to phrase it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there's there's no right or wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's a lot of opportunity that me and my partner could have taken to to leave each other. And if that was right for us, then that was right for us. We We have chosen to stick with it though. You know, we've chosen to just prioritize like, not leaving each other over, yeah. you know what I mean? And also working out any thorny bits. Yes. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Cause like the kind of the longer you're, you're with someone, whether that be a, a romantic person or a friend, mm. the, the more you get to know them and the more they get to know you and the more people get to know you, the more you get to know yourself. That's true as and well. Then things start to get a little bit scary. <laughs> if 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 there is demons in the closet, you know what I mean. Sure. And it's always good to get those out, though. I think it's always good to get those out. I think so too. Just like talking about trauma, because again, everyone does have demons in the closet or aspects of their personality that maybe they wish they didn't have. Yeah. Was there any of yours that you would like to share? <laughs> demons in my closet. Oh my god, there's so many. <laughs> Where do you want to? Where do you want me to pick? Like your favorites at the moment, uh, the ones you've been listening to lately. The de uh. the demons in my closet. <laughs> like, well, I mean, the, what I define as a demon in the closet is like I actually don't really define this as something that like I, I, I have a conversation with that much. Like, there's there are mischievous aspects of myself which I talk to a lot. Like mm -hmm. the irreverent voice, mm -hmm. for instance. I talk to I talk to them a lot, or the um the you know the the rebel the the thoughtful person that or entity or whatever you know i you know the the demons are like that's the stuff that i'm like okay i just need to sit with you you know and it's like and the the, the demons in my closet are the, are the same demons that have have always been there i i don't think they'll ever truly leave me mm. you know um it's just i've been able to really see them for what they are and not let them dictate how I lead my life. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say like, okay, I'm this drag artist. Like I've taken all the trauma in my life and I've turned it into something beautiful called Virgin X. And I endow all that power in that. And I care so fucking deeply for it. But like, you know, I also won't sit here and say that like, that has fully liberated me. Right. We never fully get rid of no, the stuff. I, it's I about still, managing. I of. still have massive shame issues. That's sure. the reason why I wrote a song called Shame. You know, it's like I I will always have these aspects to myself because it has affected me. Right. And if it 
if it wasn't with me anymore, it would almost be like it didn't happen. And therefore that I didn't learn something from it. And I did, you know, and I, I've, I learned how to love myself, but I also know what it is to hate myself. Mm -hmm. So I don't make that choice anymore. You know, again, it's like talking about like choice of the relationships. I, I don't choose to listen to that demon anymore. I don't choose to, you know, I know that it's there, but it doesn't hold a power over me. So I talk to it when I want to talk to it. Mm -hmm. If it calls, I can be like, girl, yeah. I'm not picking up right now. <laughs> yeah, bro. Well, you know, I was <laughs> Go reading fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading something about catastrophizing. I can do that sometimes, especially in the last couple of years when things have been fraught. Uh catastrophizing is definitely something that I struggle with sometimes. Sometimes more than other times. And there's something I was reading about where it's like if you just try to observe the, those thoughts as if they're billboards or like text running across the screen, that's the technique that helps but so for me that would be something like that because you can just get into almost paranoid states you know and then there's the thought loops and all of that stuff yeah and it's um and until you kind of can like track its behavior yeah um it, it's very difficult to recognize it right you yeah, know because also part of you just thinks oh this is informing me because i have a keenly a, a developed sense of how to protect myself in the world so yeah. then you have to figure out wait a second is this protective or is this destructive yeah what's going on right now yeah yeah it's almost kind of like you know you know we 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 as millennials and uh and and gen zers you know we 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 kind of uh we talk a lot about like um, well, not me as a Gen Zer. I'm not. I'm, not Gen I'm Z. actually a Gen Xer officially. Yeah. Are you? I'm 46. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate When's the that. Skincare dropping, girl. Right. Very, <laughs> very good. soon. Very soon. Oh, really? No. Oh, well, I look, but uh, yes. <laughs> I look forward to it. Take not, I'm thinking about new merch lines, so that's not a bad idea. You could do it. Thank you it's very, very much. Good. I'm quite uh, touched by that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. She's together. <laughs> um, what were you even talking about? Wait a minute. Um, I don't know. Now that we talked about my skin. Yeah, yeah uh, talking about skincare. Uh, well, um, just uh, about the um, managing those thoughts. Right. I think you were talking about also like figuring out the origin of them because sometimes there'll be something that triggers something that is a I old school saying, yeah. thing. But go ahead. You were saying. Well, I was just saying. You know, we talk a lot about safe spaces. Yes. Yeah. And the value of state the safe spaces um of which of course i i, I am fully aware and i i uh there, there's something to be said though for unsafe spaces mm -hmm. um and unless i'm I, I unless i'm able to have a very clear discussion with these closeted demons that we're talking about you know I wouldn't be able to go into certain spaces that I do mm -hmm. without being able to own myself when I'm in full drag. Do you, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you know, walking on the tube, even in like, you know, what I'm wearing today, like, you know, a shirt that says, um, you know, but daddy, I love him, which is like a quote from the little mermaid. Um, and you know, wearing a kilt and, and I'm not in full drag, but a bit of eyeliner or whatever like that, you know, I still walk on a tube and people still, the eyes. Sure. It's a very unsafe space. But, you know, I've talked to those demons that said I should be ashamed of this. And yeah. I still know where those demons are in my psyche being. And I can be like, right. So right now, I'm saying fuck you. And that's our conversation. And I don't need you to say anything. Right. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. You know? I, I have uh, something that I will present sometimes that is sort of almost agoraphobic, and I think that this is based on both my complete uh, inability to know directions automatically. I need GPS all the time. Uh-huh. And I've always had that since I was a kid, and I will for the rest of my life, and that's fine. Um, but that combined with those fears of what, you know, like you were saying, because you can just walk down the street one day and just feel like, oh God, I want to run back inside. Yeah. And that can just pop up for whatever reason. If you have certain stressors in your life going on, it, it'll it just do a random pick at to yeah. those demons, right? Yeah. And then it, you just have to go, okay, no, I'm not allowing that to dictate. Absolutely. For instance, a lot of the best things in my life have come about just on a personal level and a very um, non-specific way from traveling alone, which is not something I did for a lot of my life. Mm. But then that was just a great thing because something like that opens up just the way you look at things or the problem solving or challenges. You're, you're somewhere maybe in a place uh, when, that speaks not your language. Uh, you don't know how to get somewhere. How do you figure this out? Or yeah. your phone is dead and you don't know how to get anywhere. What do you do? Mm. And then you realize that a lot of things in life aren't really that scary. And if you can take that approach and go, wait a second, whatever this challenge is, all right, maybe I'll get uptight for a minute, but then I just can calm it down. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's it's really important to be able to do that. Oh, it's massively important. It's so important to be able to do that. Like, and 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 I I know times in my life when like I have not been able to, mm. and I have literally had to be like, I can't. I'm running home, and I do. You know, yeah. whereas like now I can just be like, okay, I've I've worked on myself enough to know I really don't like this situation that I'm in right now, <laughs> but I know how to operate yes. within it in order to get to safety. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a, a really key um self-preservation tactic too. To say, I okay, this is not fun, this is not great. This will be a blip in the week, which is a blip in the month, yeah, which is a blip in the year. Oh, that bird's eye thing. I know. It, it's I did very learn, helpful. It, yeah. And I, a very, a, I, I will say, and I'm going to name drop this person because I really like them. <laughs> a very good teacher at Guildhall called um, Ken Ray. He taught us about um, looking at life from a bird's eye perspective, mm. you know, which is so important as an artist. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, rejection is basically like something that you, that, that that's like, it's like the bulk of the job, <laughs> right? You know right. what I mean. That's like the bulk of the of the work. Is like, yeah. how do you deal yeah. with this? It's about sixty eight percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, okay, I didn't get this audition, or I didn't get this job, I didn't get this opportunity, whatever. Like, like, how much? How is this going to m- still mean something to me in a week? Yeah, I'm still going to be a bit butthurt about it. You know what? Is this going to be a month? Yeah, maybe three months. No. Mm-hmm. okay well three months okay and then you know there's so much stuff that's like even next week like i'm not gonna care that's a good uh, attitude too to take to interpersonal upsets or anything like that to get i mean that is what this that is perspective you it know, is perspective which is difficult to latch on to what that is sometimes you know because things can get outsized in our minds or especially if we have a spike of a cortisol or the rejection yeah whatever that is yeah yeah Oh, it's it, yeah, and and especially for for artists or anyone who is sensitive, yeah. Because then there's so a, the, the double bind too. If you're sensitive, you sometimes feel like, well, uh, that, can I even say that I'm sensitive to this thing right now, or does it make me look like I'm too sensitive? Yeah. And then does that then further uh, hobble my input on the matter? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. That's a fun slippery slope. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But then I think uh, most of the time with that stuff is the more we go down the um, tilt-a-whirl or go on the tilt-a-whirl with that, 
we have to remember it's not that big of a deal let's just talk about it to someone that we trust yeah which i think is a big deal yeah you know so trusting people is a big deal <laughs> trusting people is a big deal very big deal how many people do you think that you trust in general outside of dusty i feel like you trust dusty pr- pl- fairly implicitly yes i do um not many mm-hmm. really not many um a very select few like my my best friend in the states is um her name is tiffany hello tiffany we've been yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) this one's for you tiffany yeah (laughs) but um i mean we've been friends since i was like a a sophomore in in high school and Mm -hmm. and she lives in iowa i live here we haven't seen each other in like i don't know five six seven i don't know how many years um but we we talk all the time because our we we just you know we were best friends and we we have very little expectation of each other Mm, that's a very good thing yeah and and yet when we need to be there for each other, like we are. And it's like, okay, I need to talk. It's like, okay, right. You know? And um, yeah, so her and, and, and my friend Darkwa, who I, I work with so much and um, I love them and they, you know, are a big source of, of inspiration for me in my life. And also like um, friend as well. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, There's not like, there's not a huge, but I'm, I am very, I'm a very, um, like I do, I've always kept my friend circle very small. Mm -hmm. I've always been like that. I don't know. That's just a trait that I've, that I've always had. Like, I I don't like when I, when I feel like my social circle is getting too big, it actually stresses me out. Sure. What does that feel like? Or what does that look like when you start feeling that way? Um, well, (laughs) <laughs> people start talking shit about you <laughs> like, to be honest like you know look i think i think um i have to i i feel the need and maybe this is like a self-preservation thing i feel the need to be quite guarded because i don't feel that i am um particularly liked in the scene that i work in um predominantly by other drag queens interesting now could you give me a couple examples or um, indicators of what led you to feel that way? I mean, what drag collective do you know that I'm booked at? Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Do you think this so, has something to do with the independent yes, nature? Yes. Yeah. And um, not wanting to sort of um, go along with a click or, you know, yes. a, a different type of institution. Yeah. Because I will send my material to the people that I know book all these different queer music festivals and stuff like that and i never mean those really inclusive ones yeah those really inclusive ones (laughs) those ones that someone even said like oh if you're not at my festival are you even queer Mm, that's interesting oh some mm. of us were just booked elsewhere honey but that's okay um but still like i still write to these people and say hey like i've got this ep like you know i'm doing this like i'd love to do something Really? Nothing. It's like radio silence. Wow. Because I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not the type to just show up for the sake of it. Sure. Um, sure. You know, I, I, if, if you want Virgin, you have to pay for it. Like, that's just, it's, it's like a service. It's like anything. Yeah. You know, like, um, and, you know, a lot of the scene works off of that sort of like favor basis of like, you prove yourself to me, I'll give you an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very cliquey. And it is very... Um, Gatekeeper-y? Yeah. 
Very much so. Very much so. So, you know, when people see these collectives and and whatnot, you know, I'm not saying they're bad. Look, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying that um, I'm not even condemning them in any way, shape or form like you do you. But like, I'm just saying my my experience is that when I reach out to these staples within the queer community in London, I never get it any luck whatsoever they don't want to hear about it mm-hmm. um do you think that's also compounded by the fact that you seem to be moving along your merry way completely independently that well, there's some it, kind of uh, uh, res- uh resentment towards you in that regard i don't want to put words in people's mouths or maybe there could be resentment or something yeah it, i'm not I or think, however you'd like to describe it i don't know how i'd like to describe it. i mean look if i'm going to be totally yes what you're saying yes <laughs> but um i just think i just think that like i think people people like to feel powerful and so you know unless you say okay i kneel to you um you know there's a lot of people out there that just won't really want to give you the time of day because i'm basically saying hi i'm me i'm really good Sure. And I know my worth. So would you like to book it? It's very pragmatic with me. It's business. Yeah. It's business. This is my job. I'm not here to be, fr- I'm, it's not my job to be friends with you. Like you're running a festival. Like if you want my art, then like, cool. The fact is I know my art would work really, really fucking well in your festival. But like, if you just want to leave me on read, then fine it does say more about you than it does me though that's true like because you can at least you know offer me the common decency to say thanks but no thanks the fact that you can't even offer anything is like you don't have a justification so what do you think is better being left on red <laughs> or getting the runaround from someone oh um actually i prefer being left on red yeah yeah at least it's definitive yeah yeah because then it's like okay well you don't know what so yeah so i actually do prefer that mm-hmm yeah, of the two shitty options, that's the <laughs> of better. Of the two shitty options, that's better. <laughs> it, it, you know, it at least offers, um, yeah, it, it uh, yeah, because, you know, I, I've, I've definitely been led down. I've been taken a ride. Sure, you know, we as all they have. say, we all have, yeah. exactly. And yeah. that is, that's way worse. Yeah, because it prolongs this thing. Yeah. And it's, it's actually just more frustrating. It is, it is. And those are all from people that are just like, yeah, I'm totally into like, what you're doing, man. <laughs> I don't know why I went all West Coast there. Yeah, man. <laughs> totally want to program you in my like totally like European like festival. Yeah, <laughs> love that dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the uh, song out coming out with what's their name again? Eloise MP3. Eloise MP3, and you yeah. said the name of the track. It's like I'm it's a reworking sure it's of Love and War. Yeah. Um, but it could be a new title by the time you hear this so yeah who knows stay tuned yeah probably like in the beginning of 2023 i'm going to be releasing a new ep oh great it's actually going to be very different Mm -hmm. i'm kind of nervous about it because my my sound up till now has been very like kind of verbose uh electro slightly not like hardcore but like i guess hardcore pop Mm -hmm. not hardcore music but like hardcore pop um and very rappy and we're going to be going into a very like emo melodic quite commercial dare i say oh yeah so I, anyway that's the that's the mode that i have been in recently so that's what's going to happen 
Well, a lot of great things to come. And this has been a great time. I've really enjoyed Thank this. Thank you so much for having me. No, thanks for that being on. Such, such a great time. Fantastic. And we'll have to do another one sometime. Yes, let's do it. Wonderful. Kay. Okay. Thanks a lot, Virgin. Thank you. Thank you.